0: The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The culmination of Season 1 of the StarCityGames.com Open Series is coming up soon in Indianapolis. On June 3rd through the 5th, join hundreds of other players vying for an invitational slot in the Last Chance Grinders and stick around to battle it out in the Standard, Legacy, and Draft Opens and compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up in the ranks of the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com at the Invitational in Indianapolis, and we'll see you there. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode sixty-six of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. Uh, Big Head Joe will be joining us momentarily. He's uh, on his way home from work, but in the meantime, we have uh, fresh off his win of the TCG Player Five K this past weekend, Michael J. Flores. Say hey, Mike.
1: Hey, Mike.
0: There you go. Perfect. So, uh, so you didn't play Call Blade?
1: No. Why would I do that? <laughs>
0: I uh, I know that the talk on Twitter is all about the, uh, you know, is Callblade still at the top? And I know you have a pretty uh, strong opinion about that, or at least it, it seems like a strong opinion.
1: I mean, I said a while ago, you know, when the new set was released before there were any tournaments that Callblade's day in the sun is over. I mean, it's it'll, it might take a while for people to catch up, but not only is it over, but people just approach the metagame with such wrong... Wrong starting points. Like uh-huh. it's it, it. At this point, I, th- I think it'll it'll even itself out pretty quickly because once Moto kicks in. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it like reminds me of Legacy, where I, I, I mean, you do a lot of the Star City events, right? Mm-hmm. So, what percentage of people playing in Legacy tournaments do you think play just constructed unplayable decks? So like seventy five percent play yeah. decks that you you can't actually field in a tournament.
0: Uh, yeah, I think I think that's one of the things with Legacy is there's a lot of people, and I'm I'm only getting this impression over the past few months because I'm only my my exposure to Legacy is just limited to the past few months, really. Like my my interest in it. Um, but yeah, like it seems like a lot of people show up because they're like, "Hey, I can play any deck in this tournament I, because anything's legal, so I will play
1: any yeah, deck." So like, in theory, there's forty decks you can play, right? But there's really like five decks that you can play. But it doesn't stop people from playing the other 35 decks.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, and the thing is, like, those other decks will make top eight because that, you know, the dude piloting that over the course of, like, I don't know, the eight or nine rounds that he plays in Swiss, he might play seven people also playing constructed unplayable decks. Right. Like, I mean, so it's uh, it's weird like that. So, And I'm not saying that Cobblade's unplayable. It's a very it, – my personal opinion is Cobblade is the greatest standard deck of all time. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful gem of uh, of Magic: The Gathering, and I think it more or less exemplifies all the things that are great about Magic and good constructed formats. And I'm like- so happy every week when I see a good player in a Star City event crushing with Cobblade. Um especially like when Edgar does. You know, so much innovation. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's in my opinion, no longer the runaway best deck in the format, nor even the best deck.
0: So, speaking of Edgar, that's actually who you played in the finals of, yeah. uh, of the TCG Player 5K. Smashed. The Flores um, Mirror. Well, not necessarily a mirror, but just an all-Flores finals. All-Flores
1: finals we were on. Yeah, I, all day I was like, oh, man, we're going to play in the finals. And then that's how it happened. I I was, like, really looking looking forward to playing Edgar in the finals. And, like, when we actually got paired, I was... I was uh, pleasantly surprised the uh and he was like yo split and i was like yeah i mean edgar flores offers the split to you going into the to take <laughs> i think I, mean, I think you take it yeah but keep in mind at this point i'm like 99 and 0 against Callblade, and I yeah. just like i mean i dispatched really good players playing Callblade pretty effortlessly over the course of the day and there i mean edgar won the flip i mean so he kind of has a chance to win mm. i mean not really
0: just but a better a better opportunity. Little, if little they opportunity.
1: lose the flip, they can't win. So, I mean, if they lose the flip and you keep your ha- opening hand, like, and it has five or more cards in it, I think you win pretty close to 100% of the time game one. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Some ridiculous percentage, in excess of 75% of the time, if you, if, if you just win the flip. Like They almost can't do anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If
1: you win the flip, they can't cast a spell after turn two, so, I mean, that's pretty bad for them.
0: So, I don't think we've even mentioned what you were playing. Oh, okay, uh, so, yeah, was, let's let's talk about a little bit about your deck, yeah. I
1: was playing, like, a blue-red Pilgrim's Eye deck. So I had yeah, to like...
0: that's a good name for it. Blue-red <laughs> Pilgrim's Eye. <laughs> yeah,
1: I played a deck with a Deceiver Exarch and Splinter Twin, but I made it way different than how um, other people have been playing it.
0: Yeah, you, just the so, fact that you stuck with the blue red was kind of yeah, different.
1: The mode splinter twin deck and standard is, I guess, Grixis. Mm-hmm. I consider it as a vastly inferior version of the deck. Um, uh, just because, like, well, they're heads up in the mirror match. It's really not close. Uh, and I don't know where what other matches matter that much um, in terms of the differentiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I played my deck, I mean, without rattling off deck list, we can just. Right. Uh, the, uh, we can look it up. I don't know if it's off the top of my head, but. All my lands come into play untapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, oh, do you know how much land is in the Grixis deck? I know, we're on 23? Or...
0: Uh, I mean, I think it's more than that, but I'm, um, that's just me just guessing. Yeah, I don't... I'm, I'm not sure. I could find out, but. Uh... I, played
1: t- I played 26. Okay. All my lands come into play untapped. My deck's literally immune to Tectonic Edge. The only. The only land that can be tectonic edged in my deck is tectonic edge. Okay. I didn't even play Halimar deaths. Um, that was quite intentional. I, I had Pilgrim's Eye because when you have a deck that's just far and the way the best strategy, the easiest way that you can lose is by being mana screwed.
2: Mm-hmm. And, like,
1: all my red cards, literally all my red cards in my deck, I think, cost double red. Right. So I have, like, some single reds in the sideboard, like Pyroclasm and Manic Vandal. But you need, to, you need to hit your second red, and you need to hit it under pressure a lot of the time. So, um, like, Pilgrim's Eye is good because it it also alleviates pressure Mm -hmm. while fixing your land. Um, And, I don't know, the decks... It's just really powerful compared to other strategies you can play. Um, The main thing I've been saying about it is, like, I don't know for a fact that the way I made Exarch Twin is the best way that you can make it. Mm -hmm. But it's foolish to think that anything else is the best strategy in Standard. It's... I mean, it's just... You can't even really make an argument for anything else, and like you can try, but then you can just describe the commensurate turn for Exarch Twin. If Exarch Twin wins the flip, the opponent cannot tap mana after turn two. I mean, do you know how insane that is?
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was gonna say. You keep saying like you know it's, it's the best it's the best strategy, and is it? Do you think or is are you saying that just because of basically the the fact that? If the opportunity is there, it's just you win. That's it. I'll
1: just give you an example. Uh, I had a Cobblede player attempt to tap mana on turn three once over the course of the day. This is what happened. I went first, I go preordain, go. He goes like, he might have preordained, or I don't know what he did. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Turn two, he goes Stoneforge Mystic. I go mana leak. Play my land, say go. He goes, he plays his land, and he goes Squadron Hawk. I go, okay, results. He goes, go. I'm like, end of your turn, cast Deceiver Exarch. Tap your blue. There's no card in Magic <laughs> at that point that can save him, other than other than uh, Dismember. Mm-hmm. So he either has Dismember or he doesn't. If he doesn't right. have Dismember, he's dead. Like so, I untap and kill them. Your best case scenario is I only resolve a Jace. If I resolve a Jace, you still lose. <laughs> like it's it, it's a blowout because all you can do is try to answer my Jace, and if you answer my Jace, it means you tapped four mana on your turn, which means you're dead. Like. Like almost all the roads end with you're dead.
0: <laughs> yeah did did you happen to catch like any of the uh, the coverage when we were in Orlando? Um, no, I didn't.
1: You know, I, I was I, I was playing all day on Saturday, and then on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, I was out with my family. It was my daughter's birthday. Um, so just to pause for a sec. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't mean to say like from like a point of arrogance or anything. Like I didn't invent the combo. Like it was a pretty known combo. I'm saying right. like. It's obviously the most powerful thing that you can play in standard and I think that most versions of Exarch Twin can make these similar kinds of statements. Mine just happens to be the most consistent. You know, the way the way I have it set up.
0: Right, yeah, I mean you just decided to go away from the 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 black obviously and that's the, that's kind of what I was getting at with when we went to Orlando but going into Orlando, at least the way I understood things, obviously having no real tournament results because that was the first weekend it was legal um, the The options were blue red uh, blue red X arc twin, um, blue red pyro twin where you combine both combos, or the Grixis version and, or the rug uh, right and that the rug version wasn 't even something that was on my radar like i hadn 't even considered that until we saw Tim Landale playing it. Uh, on On the coverage, and of course he made top eight as well um, so you know that wasn 't even something I had been thinking about or really had uh, taken as one of the accepted places for the the combo but Grixis obviously seemed like the one that everybody or at least the majority of the matches that we saw uh, and the successful decks we saw were going with the Grixis version, and the uh-huh. rug was like the outlier and we didn 't see one i don 't think we saw a single just blue red. Well, I I
1: think that it just went that way because, like, Patrick Chapin and I think PV talked about Grixis versions Mm -hmm. and then, like, people just kind of copied what they started talking about Mm -hmm. without really evaluating what the right way to do it is. Um, The problem is that I think just because, like, you know, there are the relatively small number of, like, powerful influencers in the community that start – the ball rolling on things, you know, before the hive mind gets a hold of it, let's say. Uh And there are just baseline assumptions that cards are good, like Inquisition of Kozilek or Spellskite. So I read like a bunch of places how good Spellskite is before I ever played with it. And like, I only had two Spellskite access going into the tournament. I fully intended to spend like $20 a Spellskite on Saturday morning. And because like, that's what they were selling for on site. Oh my gosh. It's a hot card. And like my friends were like, just don't do it. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't. Spellskite's not even good. It's like not good. My opponents, like, I didn't even play Twisted Image. Number one, mm-hmm. I didn't play any real card that, 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 that removes a spellskite. Like, and I beat two spellskites in play repeatedly. Like, I mean, like people get two spellskites in, in play, and then I would just like cast a consecrated sphinx. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Like they, yeah. they just do these things, that are just
0: completely
1: irrelevant. Like, like someone's like Inquisitional Cause. Like they're happy about this draw. Mm-hmm. You show them a hand. You're like, mana leak. Seagate Oracle, Small Jace, Deceiver Exarch is my hand, you know, and then some lands. What do you take? They're like, they're basically like morally obligated to take Deceiver Exarch, right? Yeah, they have to. They just get destroyed by Seagate Oracle and Jace. Like destroyed.
0: So So, you you really like the Seagate Oracle in there? I mean, I know I saw that in your videos last Friday. Like he seemed really good. Well, I mean. the, I mean, I played against
1: Rug Splinter Twin um, against Josh McGee, who was good enough to win a PTU, He won a PTU in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And he played Rug Splinter Twin. I just 2-0'd him, like, pretty ho-hum. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, the problem is, like, the Rug Splinter Twin deck, it starts with Rug, which used to be the second-best deck in Standard, right? right? It was a pretty distant second-best deck, but it was the second-best deck in Standard. So is just kind of just, like, slapdash the combo into it. But they don't even have a fourth Splinter Twin. You know, and th- their deck doesn't have any real way to, like, assemble the combo or take advantage of Splinter when they don't have Deceiver Exarch or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, you know, they uh, you know, staple a really good combo onto what used to be a pretty good deck. Right. And he's like, well, we played heads up. Like, he's like, there's just no way that he can compete with me. I have, like, Seagate Oracles and, you know, all the like, small chases, and I can just fearlessly do stuff. And he doesn't even have enough blue mana to operate. So, like, he'll, like, you know, there's, like, a limited amount of blue mana, and I just, like, tap it with my Exarchs or, like, hack it away with my Tectonic Edges, and he just cannot compete. He can just try to win. Or, like, you know, he, like, played an Inferno Titan. I killed him, you know? It's it, – it's, but- Yeah, it's just
0: amazing that it can come right out of nowhere. And even, like you just said, somebody resolves Inferno Titan. Usually that's a pretty bad thing, but uh, when you just resolve your combo, it doesn't matter.
1: But yeah, the thing that's not fair is that my deck can do pretty much w- the best thing that most of the other decks in the format can do. Mm-hmm. Like, play Jaces, play Inferno Titans. Like, that's the best thing most decks can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fight with Counterspell Wars. Play two-for-one creatures. Like, that's... What's a 2 for like, you know? What's a Seed Gate Oracle? It's basically like a one-two that draws cards. It's so not that different from a, from a Stoneforge Mystic. It's obviously less than a Stoneforge Mystic only costs two mana, and the card that it gets is, you know, pretty precise versus Seagate Oracle is, like, only pretty good with mm-hmm. what getting for you. But they're, they're, they're pretty parallel. You know, like, you can say, like, oh, these things have a similar functionality, let's say. I mean, Seagate Oracle is often much better, right, because you can dig for land with it, you know, right. I'm playing a combo deck. But, like, pretty much my deck does very, very similar things to the best things that other decks in the format can do. Mm-hmm. But the difference is other decks in the format cannot actually do those things in context. If you tap out for a Jace on your turn, you're dead. Like, all, all of the, all the, these, these situations end with you're dead. Because the Exarch Twin deck can do an infinite amount of damage in one turn. Right. With basically no setup. The, uh, like, you just go, Exarch, Splinter Twin, it's over. And there, there's relatively few ways that you can interact with it, because the, at least the Blue-Red version that, that I developed is such superior mana to all the rest of the decks in the format. Like, it outmanas every other deck. And then, like, 26 lands, which may or may not be more than the the amount that the opponent plays, but I certainly have more Seagate Oracles and 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 uh, Pilgrim's Eyes than they do. And I can just task, tap three mana for it. Like, if you're playing against Callblade, it, tapping three mana for Pilgrim's Eyes is actually pretty good. It stops them from being able to attack you with no matter what sword they have equipped. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, ludicrous situations you can get into just, like, pilgrim's eye plus splinter twin they can't penetrate it without spending at least four mana on their own turn most of the time and like that's a disaster for them right it just imagine the situation you're in with cod like how how much mana are you willing to to devote to just getting past pilgrim's eye plus splinter twin and that's not even like my strategy and i i'm just getting an extra land every turn basically an extra card stopping you from hitting me with your sword and I have all my own mana open every single turn. Like, what if I? What if? How many turns have to go by before you realize that you're in an inevitably dismal situation? <laughs> and that is a, that's like one of the most ludicrously weak things that my deck can
0: yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, you just did you just run the one of Pilgrim's Eye that was in? Yeah, I mean, angels? you can't
1: run too many Pilgrim's Eye.
0: Right. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is the blue red Pilgrim's Eye deck. Um, my friend Brendan, who I think you've actually been talking to him on Twitter, he uh, he he played the deck. And he loved how well it, uh, you know, cool. how well it, it played with just basically over the Grixis version just because you couldn't get tech-edged. And um, he feels like it's a really strong deck, much stronger than the Grixis version. Yeah. And
1: well, uh, I mean, just on the fundamentals, like the Grixis version, say you play your, you're on curve, you play your Exarch on turn three. Mm-hmm. Your fourth land might be, a uh, you know, Black Cleave Cliffs. Is mm-hmm. that the name of it? Yeah. Or uh, Dark Slick Shores. You can't even kill them now. Like, the... Um, it, the, the, the strategy of the Blue Red version is just better than the strategy of the Inquisition of Cozilect decks, because like, their presumption is you use your discard to resolve your combo, right? Right. My presumption is I will get some sort of engine to get more cards and mana. Than, okay. I fundamentally have more mana than every other deck in the room, more or less. Because mm-hmm. even like a Cobblade deck that has like 27, 28 lands, a bunch of those lands come into play tapped, so they don't really count. Mm-hmm. A bunch of those lands only tap for colorless. The only ones that matter are the ones that tap for blue. So, like, they can have all the white-producing lands they want. Don't care. They can have all the tech edges they want. They have no text. They, they can have all the Ink Moth Nexus they want. If they're tapping mana to attack you with an Ink Moth Nexus, you know, you're celebrating.
0: Yeah. You're celebrating. yeah, um, you're, like, yeah, you're going to attack me sick. <laughs> you know, right, like, it just you gives put, you like, an opening to resolve the combo. You put the full four mana into, like,
1: animating that, putting a sword onto it, and tapping it for combat basically just conceded the game. <laughs> um, so, like, you basically outman all your opponents because your land's all tapped for the colors you want, and they come into play untapped. And, you know, you have Pilgrim's I and Seagate Oracle and Preordain, which are ensuring that you're hitting more land drops than your opponent for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that's really strong is that, unlike, I think, almost any other deck in the format, you can start picking fights on your opponent's turn. So you need, like... Just casting like, turn six Deceiver Exarch is a pretty common play that you'll make. So you just like let's let's play a game of draw go. Okay. And on turn six, I'm going to cast a Deceiver Exarch. What's your play? You gonna mana leak me? Yeah, I can pay. <laughs> I know. You gonna put two mana leaks on it? You lose the game if you do. By the way, you ought, basically auto lose to like a consecrated sphinx or a or an inferno titan if you do that. You know, it's. Yeah, or I mean, or you just don't have a mana leak for my next Deceiver of it, Exarch, If that's if that's the play you make, it's, right? Um, uh, it's it's pretty insane, you know. Yeah, like, that's well, a
0: I, really just that's a really interesting point. Just uh, does he have another one? Should I mana leak this? Like, that's, I, yeah, I made,
1: this? I made I made one play. Like Brian was talking to me about it later. Like I was playing as Rob Cedar, who's you know multiple PTQ winner, always does consistently well in the New York area tournaments. Um, I milked him down to three open lands I had seven lands on plan I played Jace He mana leaked me I could have tapped to pay for it And then he would have spell, snared my Jace, spell pierced my Jace probably
2: mm-hmm.
1: But I chose to let him mana leak my Jace And I just played the eighth land Which I'd been sad bagging And then I played uh, Splinter Twin On my Exarch And he had spell pierce And so I didn't win that turn right. Um I think I might have lost that game. I don't remember the, uh, uh, but the, you know, the net net is, you know, I got him down to three. I, I put him in the spot that I wanted him to be in. You know, just yeah, you know, he he called me successfully. But for the most part, you know, just if your opponent is tapping lands on his own turn, pretty much always loses. because um, you said you. Your paradigm is just to, like, play a Jace mm-hmm. and or, you know, play a Seagate or you know, multiple Seagate Orals, usually, um, and just get more stuff than they have.
0: Yeah, I mean, for uh, anybody who actually is interested in kind of seeing this or pseudo-seeing it in action, I think your videos, I know you, you switched the – because obviously uh, New Phyrexia isn't available on Moto yet. Um, you were able to kind of fake it by running uh, Pestermite in place of the Deceiver Exarch. Yeah. And uh, so the, the videos in your article last Friday, um, they were, it was really just entertaining to watch, uh, you know, how how the deck played out, even without uh, necessarily seeing the combo. Like, the Splinter Twin on the Inferno Titan was pretty <laughs> pretty ridiculous.
2: Yeah,
1: so I made my deck, like, if you just draw Splinter Twin and you don't draw Deceiver Exarch, well, it's, just, it's pretty terrible for, like, the Grixis that can't do anything, right? But in the same spot, I'll just, like, I mean... I was playing against Darkblade in the last round of the Swiss, and I just put um Splinter like I into the Royal his O4 wall so that I could play Splinter Twin on my, my manic vandal. Mm-hmm. And he was just in the lockdown. I knew he had multiple batter skulls in his hand and a sword, just couldn't do anything. Like I now have like this engine in play that makes it so that his entire deck is invalidated. Yeah. And it's like it's not even what my deck is supposed to do, you know?
0: Right. It's just kind of like a, a backup plan, if that. I mean it's, it's not but it buys infinite time. You yeah. Know? It's
1: a it's it's really, really um powerful, flexible deck. And the thing is like even the things that aren't that good or like don't seem to be that good are way better than what the opponent can do. You know, think just think about it like in context. You're playing against Cawblade and they let's say they've got like their hawks and they have a sword of feast and famine or a batter skull, they cannot get through Pilgrim's Eye plus Splinter Twin. The only way they can get through is by tapping a massive amount of mana on their turn, which is probably gonna result in their death. You know, like and that's just like the dumbest thing you can do in the deck. Like it's like not good. It's not actually a good thing to do. It's just like an amusing thing that you might do that actually happens to be pretty effective against their strategy. But I got multiple times. I got um, Manic Vandal plus Splinter Twin, and it's absurd. against like the decks with O 4s and a bunch of swords and whatever else artifacts
0: are playing. So Manic Vandal was out of the sideboard. You also mentioned uh, Consecrated Sphinx. Was that sideboard or main? Because I know it wasn't – Sideboard, yeah. Okay. Because looking at your your list from your article – like, I, I wasn't you, – you don't have a sideboard listed, so I uh, wasn't sure what – I thought I listed player. it at the bottom, I guess. Maybe, so. maybe you did. Maybe I'm – because I'm only looking at the list here at the top. Yeah, but, so uh, – um, But, yeah, actually, yeah, cons- different swaps. Yeah, that's right. I'm just looking at the actual deck list uh, section. But, yeah, the um, – one of the questions, like you mentioned about Spellskite not being very good, and even Jerry said something similar in his article where he just said it's not really where you want to be, which is really strange considering everybody was really. It
1: doesn't do anything. Like, the, I played it a couple of times. Like, I played it against Rug when and it just got killed. Like, it, it. You know, am I supposed to deflect this damage from Inferno Titan with it? I guess. Is yes. it so better to take two or three? I'll take, you know. Yeah. And then he just played a second Inferno, you know, something like that, or a Lightning Bolt, and it just goes away, and he doesn't really lose very much, you know. Yeah. Like, the it's like such a better strategy to just be ahead of them. Like, I mean, I'll just give you an example, like against against David Shields, who's a Grand Prix champion, yeah. Clawblade. You know, he goes like double O four walls, and then swords up one of them. I just like played an Exarch and blocked. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> Two six, yeah, I'll block. And he's like, <laughs> he can't. He knows he can't get through. He can only get through by tapping a massive amount of mana. So I test spelled him. You know, lost the test spell fight on his turn. Untapped and played consecrated snakes. You know, when he's somewhat tapped for like a batter skull,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then he has to tap a ton of mana. his he, only recourse is to jace me there, right? So he has to like tap all like, at least four mana to jace me, and then he's dead. He's like, But his argument was, if I don't jace your Consecrated Sphinx, I'm going to lose anyway. You know? Yeah. He's probably right. Uh, most of my opponents let me have Consecrated Sphinx for multiple turns, um, mm. and they just died a different way, you know?
0: Yeah, so how good is Consecrated Sphinx? It seems really good,
1: right? I mean, now. I got Consecrated Sphinx with Splinter Twin on it in one match. It's pretty sick.
0: <laughs> so would you just make a copy in there? Um, I don't their attack draws. the
1: Consecrated Sphinx. <laughs> I got Consecrated Sphinx. So, like this is a good example of a good player. Um, played against Edgar Flores, he won the he won the flip. But when it, the, when Cowblade wins the flip, it can be pretty depressing because if they play second turn Stoneforge Mystic, you usually have to cast an Unkicked into the Royal mm-hmm. on on the second turn just to save time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I did that five times. It's really depressing every single time you do it. I also won all five of those games. Um, oh. But like it's it, it, it's disheartening. You know, like one of the games I think I got duressed on turn one, and then he played second turn Stoneforge Mystic, and then I had to enter the royal I was, like, you know, down to very few cards. Um, But if you don't, you're just going to get blown out by their sword or their batter skull, right? They, they can't really beat you if the game goes to a certain amount of time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They have to beat you by, like, um, getting a tremendous advantage using their Stoneforge Mystic early in the game. Uh, so, you know, you just want to prevent that. And then then they get to a point where, like, they have to. They're going to go to try to recast. They have to recast a creature so that they can they can attack you with something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then typically you have the opportunity to get enough of an advantage where you can resolve Jace or resolve you know or start an Exarch set, uh, situation or at least a um, you know a Seagate Oracle. It's like something that will get your, your deck going. But I mean, like if, if you just untap with Jason play, it's pretty bad well, for your opponent. Yeah, so, and small Jace is actually I think better in the format. Right now, they, the 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 only thing that's the, I mean, I, I think I brainstormed twice the whole day. Something like very very low number. Uh, I, almost always, I just bounce my opponents over walls with.
0: So with it case. just becomes it's just a four mana removal spell, kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the, the thing is, the games once you have Jason play, once you untap with Jason play in this deck, the game's mm-hmm. pretty much over. Like the the like it has its early game is quite similar to the development of the control deck, mm-hmm. but then. It has no stage two, you know. Like, you just win the game. As soon right. as you get any kind of advantage, your opponent's blown out. Right. Because the time constricts very, very quickly because of your
0: man advantage. So it looks like Joe. Uh, Joe may be on here actually. Let me see. Uh, I'm gonna add him in here right now.
1: Oh, I see him added. Howdy!
0: There he is. So, uh, so welcome to the show, Joe. Oh,
1: thanks. Pleasure. <laughs> pleasure to be here. Uh,
0: um, we were just talking about Mike's uh, Blue-Red Splinter Twin deck. Oh, yeah? And how um, Little Jace is probably better than Big Jace, at least in this deck, but possibly in the No, no, in the format. In the format. I know you said like, in the format, but...
1: Because like, Big Jace, you can't really cast it in most matchups. Mm-hmm. Like, Edgar cast it on turn eight. His first spell was like, basically turn eight, because he didn't have, like... He didn't have enough initiative in the early game, mm-hmm. so, like, he... Uh, you can't really cast a spell after turn three. Is the it's the problem? Or you're just dead.
0: Yeah, we saw him like in Orlando. We watched him in the Swiss play against a um, a Grixis twin deck, and he just like you said, it was like he didn't want to tap mana after turn turn two. It was just like and he just he sat can. he just sat there, couldn't tap mana, and then then the guy just won. I can't even remember who he was playing against, but it was just uh, he he didn't do anything. And <laughs> actually, it may have been against uh, the rug. Version. I'm not even sure, um, but he, I guess he knew the the combo was in there. Whatever it was, he was definitely fearing the combo, and uh, and didn't play, uh, just basically didn't play anything, didn't advance his own board state at all, and it, that obviously it, can't win. But Joey, you can't
1: if you cast any spells after turn two, you're dead.
0: Right. That's the thing that
1: like it's it's not even it's not really up for debate. Like. <laughs> like you you only have, like let's say, four mana on turn four. If you cast a Jace, you're dead.
0: How many rounds were in the tournament?
1: Uh, seven rounds. It's, it was weird. There were actually two simultaneous tournaments. Okay. Seven round Swiss in each of the tournaments cut to top eight, and then those top eight played a single elimination 16-person tournament. Okay. The tournament I was in was fierce, uh, and the top 16 overall was actually superb. So it was... Um, actually, I'm going to... Do what I never do, and I'm going to pop over to the TCG player and um, yeah. look. Actually, look up who was in Tom <laughs> Oh Mike is looking something up. Yeah, I know. I never do, but I just Whoa. want. I don't want, to, I don't want to miss any of the really good players. So, like, if there was myself, Edgar Flores, Reed Duke, Dave Shields, Jim Davis. You know who who that is? He's multiple green uh, uh Garfield. Yep. Um, <laughs> Nate Pease, I think Nate Pease won yeah. a Star City Open. Yep. PNAPS, Gerard Fabiano, um, Christopher Levesque, who I, I played him in the round of 16. He was uh, playing Grixis Twin. He uh, was the only person who took a game from me in the elimination rounds, actually. Uh, Matt Ferrando and, mm-hmm. and Luis Neiman, who uh, we talk about him. Luis Not Vargas mm-hmm. fairly often. It was actually a fierce <laughs> top 16. Um, Sounds like it. Yeah, this was my, my, this was my top eight path. Round of eight, Dave Shields, Grand Prix Champion. Yep. <laughs> Round of four, Reed Duke. Round of two, Edgar Freakin' Flores. So yep.
0: <laughs> that's pretty nuts. What uh um, how how many Callblade decks did you play?
1: Uh I mean over the course of the day, yeah, yeah. I had my life. Shield. Round one I played Boros. I beat him to one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I beat him to one. Brian says it's only because I kept three loose hands, which was true. All three of my hands I kept were loose. <laughs> Second round, I played against Darkblade, and that was an unintentional draw. So um, I was actually – I never I never played tested sideboarding, so I actually sideboarded wrong against Cobblade slash Darkblade for about half of the day. And so I, I I won all my game ones, regardless if I won the flip or not. And then um, I, I fairly often lose game two. <laughs> so it was where he had um, uh, Surgical Extraction. Is that the name of the new yeah. extra fate? Yep. So he extracted both my Twins and my – uh, Deceiver Exarchs in game two. So I decided that I would sideboard a really weird way, like with a lot of ones, twos, and threes so mm-hmm. to minimize the impact of surgical extraction.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what ended up happening was he extracted all my End of the Royals and all my Inferno Titans, but I just got him until I like three. And I, so the board is like, uh, he hit me multiple times with a. Uh, uh, Black Crusader-carrying sword of body and mind. So if you think about that, that's pretty insane, right? My deck is blue and red, and this guy has <laughs> a pretty fast clock, uh, mm. multiple, multiple way clock, uh, that is immune to both blue and red. But I got out of it by... I don't remember if I ended the royal his, um, his sword, or I probably think I just Manic handled it. Mm. But then I got him into a position... Like, I was going to die to poison or not die, right? And then and um, I like made him pick it up with Jace. So my board is like Jace, probably a manic vandal, something like that. And he has like maybe an O four 4 wall. It's like irrelevant. Um, and, but I can just deal with it at any time. Cause I have both Jace and a manic vandal, right. Which are both good. 0 yeah. Four wall.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, for, especially together. So, um, and then he's like a crusader in his hand or something. He's probably recast it. And he's like nothing. He has no cards basically. Um, and, uh, He's extracted at this point into the Royal and um, Inferno Titan, but he's way, way behind. I have, like, way more land. I have Chase the Mind Sculptor in play and online. And then I um, I just randomly use uh, Elixir of Immortality that I had in play.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't in, under any pressure to die from life total. Like, most of, the, most of the pressure I was under was from poison. He was not going to get through. So, you know, like, I had, like, some one fours and stuff to block with. So, um uh, and it was, a, I think it was a bad play because I actually I pushed two lands to the bottom of my deck. So it was actually just increasing the chances of drawing a bad card by using the elixir, maybe. But there were like a lot of preordains and stuff in my my graveyard I kind of want to get back. And my top card was Splinter Twin, and I already had an Exarch in play. Um, and then he just, no cards, he like top decked and played a Gideon. So we were in extra turns. And so I had, to, I also had, I also had, um, Consecrated Sphinx in play at this point. So, I mean, it was, I was a million miles ahead. Right, so he,
0: you had it, but didn't have the time.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we we were extra turns. if I got one more attack, he was dead, but I didn't. Like, if I had the Splinter's one, I would have been able to attack Gideon to death, and then Fate Seal him to ensure that he doesn't draw a, a way to stop my combo. I mean, whatever, whatever it is at that point, but, you know. I mean, who knows? Like, it's a random card on top of my deck, and I shuffled, and I got a different random card, but Right, It was probably wrong. I, I, you know, just one of those uh, situations where we have free mana, and I thought about it a little bit. But you know, if we hadn't been in extra turns, it wouldn't have mattered. And I, I was looked like I was going to win anyway, right? So, yeah.
0: it, it sounds like it sounds like you're pretty set.
1: So I actually lost round three to the Soul Sisters deck. Okay, um, we'll talk about that separately. But yeah, you know, I mean, it, I think that so my friend Paul Jordan played um, played the Xar Twin on the. The PTQ the next day, and he also lost to the same dude playing Soul Sisters. It's, it's pretty comical, but I don't know if that's actually viable.
0: But <laughs> Yeah, it seems like – I know Conley brought it on Saturday, like, or at least brought a version of it on Saturday to – Orla- I mean to uh, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, Louisville. That's what I was trying to I mean up.
1: I <laughs> won through his infinite combo one game without even comboing him with Deceiver Exarch. Yeah, I, it's just – I got uh, Basilisk Collar plus Inferno Titan, and he conceded with the presumption that I would deck him with Jacer or Elixir of Immortality. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah he, he drew second turn, third turn, um, uh, S- Sutured Priest, all right. three games. And then he always had Brave the Elements. I drew, I think, three Pyroclasms over the two sideboarded games, mm-hmm. and he had Brave the Elements each time I cast Pyroclasm. So it was just like hella annoying. I, I, I think if he if he only draws one Suture Priest, I'm probably gonna win. Uh, but I, I also made a, a play mistake. I think in the third game. Um, but he had like weird cards. Like he had like the new Threaten. Like he threatened my Oh Active like Aggression hurt. that one. Yeah. I so that I won that game. Like that. Uh, like I I had Jason play, and then I didn't use Jace yet. So when he stole it, I just bounced my guy, uh, so he couldn't kill me. Oh right. But. Yeah, so I lost to that white weenie deck on the round th- round three. Then I played Rug Splinter Twin, which I won. Uh, Blue White Cobblade, which I won. Um, uh, that was a really interesting match, actually. Um, that's the match I got. Uh, I got Consecrated Sphinx with, with Splinter Twin on it. <laughs> right. Is, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so he had Gideon, and he kept making me attack Gideon. So... So I just kept making a token with my Consecrated Sphinx and attacking Gideon. It was really interesting. Like, he couldn't afford to execute my Consecrated Sphinx with Gideon because I had, like, eight cards in hand on account of having Consecrated Sphinx in play, like, right. every single turn. So if he ever turns off Gideon to kill my Consecrated Sphinx, he's probably just going to die.
0: Right, the, so, the combo is just going to kill him, right. Yeah, so instead he has to keep telling Consecrated Sphinx with Gideon. <laughs> like,
1: I mean, it's just miserable for him, it's, right? Yeah,
0: like, like everything you're mentioning, it, just in this whole conversation, and I know before Joe even came on, like, uh, it just sounds like a lot of, uh, you can put people in a lot of awkward situations that entirely have no, almost nothing to do with the, whether the combo's on the table or even a piece of it's on the table. Like, it seems like just the threat of it, and then the awkward things that they can, you know, just the, uh, the play Deceiver XR turn six, just, it, what do you do? Like, that? I, I like the... Uh, I like the question
1: there. but The the problem is most decks in the format can only interact with your deck
0: mm-hmm. with
1: mana leak. It's the only card in their deck that can actually cast. Because, like, you cast, like, Zebra Extractors or whatever. They might have to spend multiple mana leaks to stop it, depending on what turn you're on. Or, like, you could have a Pierce and win the fight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then the problem is it's not just that. But, like, if I if I pick a fight on your turn... And then I lose the fight, and I untap and play, let's say, Jace Bellerin on my turn. Mm -hmm. If you mana leak Jace Bellerin, that's one more mana leak that's not in your deck anymore. Right. That you can't fight me with. And the rest of your cards cannot protect you. Because what ends up happening is, I look at how many mana leaks you have in your graveyard, I can just cast an Inferno Titan, knowing that you can't interact with me. Right. And it resolves, and then, like, what are you going to do? Now spend four mana on your turn to kill my Inferno Titan? Because you're dead if you do, like that's that's a problem. So you end up losing to the Inferno Titan, or you end up losing to a consecrated Sphinx. Because like the only card in your deck that you can cast is Mana Leak. Like, think about it like that. It's it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, it's. Like it's... What do you do? you cast
0: a Jace? You're dead. You know,
1: you cast a Squadron Hawk on the third turn. You're dead. <laughs>
0: So, you, obviously, you played Callblade multiple times through the tournament, and I know... Oh,
1: yeah, like. so the, the next round I played against Blue White Callblade, I won that one, and I played against Darkblade, I won that one, and I played against Grixis Splinter Twin, he won game, I won the flip, and he won game one, um, and then uh, Day Shields with Blue White Callblade, top eight, I won um, Reed Duke with Black Blue Control. Um, huh and I won that. His deck was not set up to be able to be competitive against mine. Like, I looked at the list today when it went up. All of his threats are, like, he can only cast them on his turn pretty much, and they're all expensive. And what I I should ask him, I wonder if he sided in his Nighthawks just to have a card that he could cast. Yeah. Like, if he's on the play, he just, like, casts a third-turn Nighthawk and crosses fingers. Like, I think that that's a...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not terrible? I I mean, at least you have a clock
1: in play, right? Like, he has no other recourse. can't really cast a Jace. You have to do a lot of discarding of my hand before you can before you can um, cast Jace because like the problem is like even if you like disrupt my hand, I'm going to cast a card like Jace's Ingenuity, which is like a disaster.
0: Yeah, I forgot. Um, did, 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 was that in your list? I didn't even remember. That. It was. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: so, yeah, it's, yeah it's, I, can't.
0: I don't see it in the. Uh, was it in a sideboard? or was it? In yeah, I
1: won the sideboard. and then I played yeah. against Edgar Flores in the finals, which was among the most lopsided matches I played in. Uh,
0: <laughs> right, like a long time. To hear the rest of this episode, download Episode 66, Part 2, The Best Standard Format Ever.